We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigert. a pleasure to have you along. Let's talk some JMU athletics with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record as he covers the Dukes and football, basketball. We'll talk a little bit of football and basketball, maybe some volleyball as well as I get set for the NCAA tournament. But Shane, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on as always. I appreciate it. And, you know, let's start with football just since that wrapped up this past weekend. But um, what a way to wrap up the season, to, to, to win like they did against the 23rd-ranked team in the country, uh, to send the seniors out the right way. Again, that was their bowl game. You could tell it meant a lot for them to win that football game, especially the way they did. Yeah, and you know these days, not a lot of teams get to end the season like that, where you end on a triumphant note, kind of no matter what happens. Um, you, you get to claim a championship. Bowl games aren't the same as they used to be. Sometimes you don't have your whole team when you go play them and everything. So like, you know, I'm sure they want to be getting ready for a bowl game right now. They want to be getting ready for the conference championship game. But if that's not a possibility, there's not much better way to end the season than what they did. And with, I guess just with the, the seniors and stuff that they had, I mean, it was such a special group and you got to cover it more this year than in the past. And it was just, this team was special and, and they exceeded all expectations, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, talking about exceeding expectations, and uh, you know, a guy like Chris Borg comes in, and I think everybody thought he'd be good. I don't know if anybody thought he'd be like breaking school records when he got here, and you know, and Percy to come back from his injuries and then have the season he did, where you know he was close to a thousand yards rushing, was you know, might have gotten to that thousand yard mark if he hadn't got hurt, you know, fairly early in that last game, um, and they take him out sort of a precaution. Uh, you know, both those guys probably have, you know, careers ahead of them playing football somewhere. And lots of other guys on the team, too, that, you know, they come back and they are a part of this move up to the FBS and really just kind of prove that they belong there all along. Did they exceed your expectations? I know you and I really didn't talk early in the season about, like, uh, a win total. I I, I know I I did with many other people, and and they exceeded – well beyond where I thought they would be as far as their wins this season, their first year. I'm guessing they did that for you too, didn't they? They did. I had, you know, I think I predicted five or six wins, you know, you know, maybe a seventh if things broke right. And that was kind of not knowing, not knowing exactly what to expect from, you know, an ODU team or some things like that. Yeah. They they not only won more games than, um, than I would have predicted. They also like were winning, winning some of the games that I really didn't think they would. Like, you, you talk about this Coastal Carolina win, ten to season. Um, you know, I thought going down to ODU before the season began, I thought that trip down to Norfolk would be a much tougher test mm-hmm. than it ended up being. And, uh, yeah, they, they they completely exceeded the expectations I had. Okay, we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. As can we talk some Jamie football and basketball? We'll talk some basketball as, as we continue. But you know, Todd Santel, what a year for him! He he's got to be the offensive player of the year, doesn't he? Yeah, it, and uh, my understanding is they'll give an overall player of the year and then somebody else on each side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So I would think at least offensive player of the year, if not the the uh, overall Sun Belt player of the year for him. I mean, he just really was he was incredible and basically unstoppable anytime he played fully healthy this season. 
and, and <laughs> we weren't even sure if he was going to, we, we kind of assumed he was going to start the opener, but we didn't even know at that point in time for him to go 25 and five, seven rushing touchdowns. And really he kind of got the keys to the car, uh, essentially of, of that offense. He, he, they, they let him kind of dictate what they were going to do. And, um, you don't see that happen from transfers that often. It, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty miraculous to see kind of what he did this entire season. Yeah, and I mean, I think like going into the offseason, a lot of the talk is going to be about what they've been able to do with quarterbacks who've come, you know, in, in yeah. one year, the amount of improvement that staff has been able to make with quarterbacks. Uh, Santeo being a prime example, just, you know, not being in the right fit for the vast majority of his career. And he comes to the JMU and shows what he was kind of capable of doing all along. And uh, yeah, it, it worked out unbelievably well for him and for Jake. Yeah, no question. And we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. How about this offseason? Do you feel like there will be a lot of roster turnover with, with the portal and everything else? I mean, I feel like there probably will be. You know, it's I. it does seem like the locker room is pretty happy. People are pretty happy being in, at JMU. But there's almost always somebody maybe you weren't expecting who winds up at the portal um, and you end up having to try to replace them. And then I think Jamie will also probably look to fill, fill some of the places where they need help immediately, where they can really boost their depth and get some experience in places that um, they're losing it. I think you probably go to the portal for that. You know, they lose three of their four best wide receivers, right. you know, probably a couple pass rushers. Um, they probably want to, you know, boost some of the depth at cornerback where they're playing true freshman a lot this year. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see positions like that where you're bringing in guys who have experience and are you know, ready to compete for a starting job right away. Yeah, no question. Again, we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record as we talk some JMU football and basketball. Let's switch gears and talk some football. The Dukes on the men's side off until Friday when they play Eastern Kentucky as those two teams had a great game uh, at Eastern last year. But the Dukes go 3-2-1. or two and one. They're 6-2 and two right now. They go 2-1 and one down in Savannah, Georgia. Got a good win against uh, South Dakota State. Didn't shoot it great and lost an OT to Valparaiso. What would you make of the, their weekend down in Savannah? Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about me not knowing how to predict the game. I would have kind of <laughs> flip-flopped it there. I think yeah. if they were going to lose one in Savannah, I thought it might be South Dakota State. But they really handled South Dakota State. and then, um, You know, lost a tough one in overtime the next day. Um, you know, I think that's probably probably what you take out of that if you're, you know, Mark Bynes and his staff is learning a little bit how to handle and how to play those three games in three days because that's what you're going to want to do in March when you go down to Pensacola for the Sunbelt tournament. And, you know, Jamie right now looks like a team that could be extremely competitive in the Sunbelt and have a chance to win that. And, you know, it's part of the reason you play these Thanksgiving tournaments. I'm sure they would have liked to have won that, but it's a good experience probably to, to uh, play, play a nail biter. Finally, they hadn't had a close game really. That was coming down to the wire all season. Yeah, that should pay off for this team. And, and, uh... I, I've been kind of amazed by what Talk Molson has done. He didn't play in the first two games. He was under the weather and didn't play against South Dakota State or against uh, Coastal Georgia, but obviously played well. He played well against Carolina the, the previous Sunday, played well against Valparaiso. Um, he seems to be right now the most consistent player right now. Yeah, that was exactly the word I was going to use. Is he's the, been the consistent guy. and You know, given his career path, you know, being being a really good player at a mid-major when he was a freshman and sophomore and then, you know, kind of a role guy at Seton Hall who, who you know, had some good moments there. Um, and then coming to JMU where he kind of 
you know, once again, kind of becomes one of the main guys, but also on a deep team where he's not expected to do everything like he was at Canisius. Um, yeah, it kind of just makes sense to see him doing it this year to be this consistent guy. When when you look at the roster and they have guys who have had big games and then kind of fade, you know, the next time out, um, I think we're going to see that throughout the season where, you know, one guy leads them in scoring one night and then, you know, maybe he's fifth or sixth in scoring the next night. And um, But Talk has been the one who's really just kind of been steady and you've gotten the same from him really just every time out. Probably their best player on the season so far. Yeah, no question. Again, he actually did play against South Dakota State. He had 10 points in 14 minutes, so he played well in the 14 minutes he played against uh, the Jackrabbits. But it's been an up and down for a lot of guys. And, and right now they're they're – Still, as a team, they're shooting 51%, which is good, and 42% from three, but it really dropped off from the Carolina game on. The last four games, they haven't shot it nearly as well. Votto, um, Noah Friedel has not shot it well lately. Um, I'm guessing you think they'll turn it around, don't you, after the, the hot start from those guys? They haven't shot the ball very well since. Yeah, I mean, I think things average out for those guys. I mean, especially when you talk about Votto, Morris, Noah Friedel, guys who have been, who's been good shooters throughout their career but also are the kind of guys who might go 0 for 5 from 3 one game and then 5 for 6 the next. You know, you kind of got to ride through their uh, their streaks with uh, with both of those guys. And the good thing about the way this roster is set up too, though, is that, you know, we talk about, you know, Talk Molson or, you know, a Terrence Edwards guy who um, – you can pretty much rely on to get, you know what you're going to get from them pretty much uh, night in, night out. And it might not be a 25 point game, but they're guys who can maybe carry you get to the basket late in the game when you need a shot. Um, and then you have the day when you have the days where maybe both one or both of top or uh, Votto and Noah are hitting, then you're a really, really tough team to beat. Yeah, no question. I want to ask about Mezzi Offram. Um, he, he's starting to become pretty consistent for them. I feel like he's kind of found his rhythm. He's been in double figures in every game since the first game. And it, I know he, he had a couple of misses that he'd love to have back, and they probably win that game against Valparaiso with some free throws and, and the layup late. But he seems like he's kind of found his role, his niche on this team. And, and I think he's going to be – I think he'll continue to get better, but he gives them a, a, just kind of a different presence. He's a big guy but can also handle the rock a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. Um, he's, you know, a little bit, you know, go back to Mark Byington's first year here. He's a little bit like uh, a Zach Jacobs type of big man that, uh, you know, Mark really liked. Was one of the one of the carryovers from Blue Rose staff. Um, but probably, you know, even a more talented version of that kind of big man. Um, he, he seems to really fit in. And, you know, you mentioned he had, you know, two missed free throws and a missed layup late that really hurt them against Valparaiso and then turned around and made two free throws when they really needed it with only a few seconds left. They ended up losing, but I think that was probably a really good sign that, you know, he turned around and um, was able to make two free throws in that kind of high pressure situation. Just, uh, just given what had happened earlier in that game. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, what do you make of kind of the rotation? And he's he's playing a little bit different role, but he I guess he's in the rotation with Alonzo Sule, Justin Amati, a little bit of Julian Wooden as well. But Sule and Amati, do they need more out of those guys? It's been, we, we mentioned consistent with talk. It's been, un, it's been inconsistent 
with Alonzo and Justin. Do they need more out of those guys if they're going to get to where they want to get to? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably fair. And I would even say with um, Alonzo Sule, you're probably getting about what you expected out of him when you brought him in. You weren't expecting him necessarily to be a consistent double-figure scorer, but he brings a lot of energy. He he gets on the board. Um, he plays pretty good defense down low. Justin Amati, like, I, not to like really knock him, but like his numbers and production haven't really stepped up that much since his freshman year. He's a guy who shoots a really high field goal percentage. It seems like maybe he should be taking a little some more shots. Maybe he should be looking for a little more offensively, and also just you know maybe getting a few more rebounds and things and taking advantage of the minutes he does get a little bit more than he has. You know, when when Tyree Iannaccio and uh, Terrell Strickland come back, how will how will that change this team? I mean, I think, you know, they can continue to get up and down the floor as much as they like to. Um, you know, they obviously play at a high pace right now, but, you know, you know, we talk about also they played three games in three days and played their worst games by far on day three. Mm-hmm. Just having a couple more guys to give you minutes especially as ball handlers, I think that really helps in that kind of situation. Um, you know, everybody's really, if you're a JMU basketball fan, you've been paying attention the last couple of years, you've seen what Terrell Strickland can do. He's, he's a good player, a good point guard, good leader, a great defensive player. I think people, unless you really follow JMU closely, probably don't know what to expect from Tyree Anacho when he comes back healthy because he's only really played a little bit for JMU. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a really good, a really good addition. He he he's a good defender. He handles the ball. He likes to distribute, but he also he gets to the basket. Sounds like his you know shot has improved since last year. Um, I think he probably really helps them through maybe some cold stretches on offense when they can get him back to him being able to kind of create some opportunities. And with those two guys back, they'll uh, they should improve. De- uh, they're they've been pretty good defensively, a little bit inconsistent, but they they should be really really good defensively with those two guys back. Yeah, I mean we didn't see. I I think back to the UVA game last year, no question, where they were just so, where they were just so dominant on defense and being able to play Terrell Strickland and Talk Molson together in the backcourt to really put some pressure on teams was was really tough to handle. And then if you throw, like you said, if you throw Tyree into the mix where he's you know, a 6'5 point guard, you can really go big in your backcourt, put a lot of pressure, you know, make it hard, hard for teams to even get into their half-court sets. I think that, that gets JMU back to kind of the kind of team that uh, Mark really wanted them to be. Okay, we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. They get set for Eastern Kentucky coming up on Friday. That game will be over on WSBA. 7 o'clock is the tip time for that. Have you have you paid my – I'll be honest, I haven't paid a ton of attention to the other Sunbelt teams, just kind of their records and some scores. Have you paid attention to kind of what, what some other teams have done around the league? Uh, somewhat. When I've gotten a chance to, I mean, it's been a little bit busier t- trying to also <laughs> yeah. pay attention to football too. But, um, yeah, I've been – very impressed and very surprised um, by Southern Miss. I thought they'd mm-hmm. be much improved, but um, three transfers they brought in have been a huge addition. I mean, for folks and, that don't know, they won one game last year in conference play, right? Yeah, they yeah. they were, they, yeah, they were frankly terrible last <laughs> yeah. year. Um, but you know, they bring in some guys. They bring in, uh, you know, Austin Crowley from Ole Miss, who uh, he's been even better than I expected. I didn't expect him to necessarily be like a huge score for them, but he's had some big games. 
and then uh, Felipe Hase, I think is how you pronounce it, um, was somebody I was like pretty high on when I thought he was going there. He's put up some big numbers in the past. He was a, a big man who could shoot it from the outside, but he's been just incredible. And, you know, they've just really turned it around with those additions. It uh, looked like a team that can compete in the conference. Louisiana was picked first, and mm-hmm. they kind of, you know, have backed that up so far. Um, you know, it should be, a, should be a pretty competitive league just looking at the top few teams, uh, JMU included in that. Yeah, no question. Again, we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Regular. Let's talk some women's basketball as well. Thursday, they go to VCU as they travel to Richmond. Then they'll play Maryland Eastern Shore back inside the Atlantic Union Bank Center this Sunday. What do you make of them? They had a good win against Liberty last week. They played Carolina really well, the 13th ranked team of the country at the time, leading at halftime and, and played them strong. I had a blowout against Longwood. What do you make of them right now? Yeah, I feel like they're improving. They're getting getting a little more comfortable. Uh, you know, and you know, maybe even uh, some of us might, you know, talking about me, maybe mainly uh, overreact a little bit to the season <laughs> opening loss. Even even knowing it was a good team, you kind of expect JMU to just win at home against mid major opponents. And uh, you know, they played pretty well. They you know continue to kind of like get. I mean, Kiki Jefferson's playing like. You know, not just an all-conference player, like potentially an all-American. Yeah, she's right been now. amazing. And and um, but they're getting good production from some other people, and getting you know a little more balance in the offense, which I think is it's huge for them, which was not the case last year. Um, it was they got an ugly win against Liberty. Liberty always makes it an ugly game, so like to pull that one out was something that you know they didn't do last year in basically the same situation in a game where neither team could shoot because they just, you know, mucked it up so much. Um, I think that was just, just to see them get that kind of win when they dropped a lot of those games last year, I think was pretty, pretty promising, especially when you consider they should be getting some pretty talented players back here soon. Mm-hmm. You know, Caroline Germond, I think is going to be back soon from her injury. After a semester, Kobe King Huea, who will really take a lot of the pressure off Kiki on the offensive end. Um, you know, she joins the mix. Um, I think they'll get Anna Goodman back um, in the post at some point. And you know, at that when that happens, they should be, I think, easily the deepest team in the Sun Belt when when that comes around. And the one thing that's been nice to see is Peyton McDaniel and Claire Nuff here recently getting many more minutes, playing uh, playing more. Like, like I think we know they can play. Peyton again in double-figure points in her last three games. She played 30 minutes against Carolina, 23 against Liberty, um, looking like the, the old Peyton McDaniel. Um, we saw Claire go for 14 points in 25 minutes. She played 25 against Carolina as well um, in, in that loss to, to UNC. So with those two getting healthy, it, it just – that, that makes them so much deeper too. And it's good for those kids to, to keep working through it, get healthy, and now, now really start to play well. Yeah, and – you know, I don't think you'll see – I think Claire Neff's somebody who's going to bring them energy whenever she's on the floor, and she'll do different things, and sometimes she'll score a lot, sometimes she won't. But, you know, talking – I mentioned Kobe king Huea taking that pressure off Kiki offensively. You put her and Peyton McDaniel yeah, out there um, sure. with, with Kiki Jefferson, and they've really got three really strong offensive weapons uh, about the time conference play comes around it. It does seem to be kind of you know trending in the right direction for this team, and you know Peyton McDaniel's a huge reason why. Yeah, she is. She's playing really well right now, so good to see her uh, come back. 
Foley, you mentioned Kiki averaging 23 and a half, nine rebounds, a couple of assists per game, but she's shooting almost 57%. She's shooting 50% from three and shooting 81% from the free throw line. What what do you see different out of her so far this year than, than maybe even past years? Um, I don't know if there's anything particularly different, just her like really, really fine tuning. She's just been so she's efficient. It's been crazy. Able to do. Uh, yeah, she's she's making all, basically all the shots. So, you know, some of the ones um, when she's taking contact and stuff in the lane last year, you know, maybe she didn't always finish. And then she's always been really good at the free throw line, but she's been incredible at getting points at the free throw line. You know, uh, so far this year. Do you see her taking better shots? Is, is that part of the reason too that she's not doesn't feel like she has to force things like she did a year ago? Yeah, I mean, I think to some degree, um, and she's probably played a little bit wiser down the stretch in some of these games too. Where you know she really did, I think, feel like she had to take it all on her shoulders late in games last year. And if uh, if she wasn't getting to the free throw line at times late in a game then JMU just simply wasn't scoring. And, you know, she yeah, probably had a little bit better shot selection, but also just, you know, having some more help um, yeah. with the way the roster looks this year, I think helps her with that too. They go to VCU coming up on Thursday. VCU 3-4 and four right now. Um, they've kind of struggled in, in women's basketball, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they – They've had a good season where they won the A-10 here recently, but it hasn't been a consistent thing with that program the way it has been on the men's side. Um, and, you know, this is a game that I know Sean O'Regan has been wanting to get on the schedule for a long time trying to play. You know, he has always wanted to play BCU and ODU uh-huh. and get the old CAA rivalries back for a long time. The ODU one came, uh, came via the you know, joining the Sun Belt. Um, but the VCU game is one that he's really wanted to get on the schedule for a long time. So I think uh, he'll he'll be excited to be uh, ha- have the team pretty well prepared to play an in-state opponent that he, he feels like has been ducking them for a few years. <laughs> Speaking of ducking, will the JMU-VCU men's game ever come up and, and, and then happen, actually? I don't know. If, if JMU can continue to play as well as they have this season – you know, be a top 100 Ken Palm, uh, you know, or net ranking type team late in the season. I think that makes it a lot more likely they can get, you know, uh, a VCU, a Richmond, or again, you know, George Mason back on the schedule in future in future seasons. Um, Jamie like, was really just in a an unfortunate circumstance coming into this season where they had such a good non-conference. They were really tough to beat at home. But then the injuries sent them down to where they were ranked, you know, below 200 in all those metrics. And so teams were looking at going to JMU as a game they couldn't really count on winning, but then also could see that being a bad loss if they, you know, if JMU had another year where they kind of dropped off in the second half of the season. Right. Consistency this year would help with scheduling next year and beyond mm-hmm. greatly. Yeah, for sure. No question. Great stuff as always from Shane Metlin. Read more of his stuff online, dnronline.com slash sports. You can read it all right there. As again, the Dukes, the women play again Thursday. The men play again on Friday. Shane, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Dave.